Hey there, welcome to the Jewish Road Broadcast. <laughs> the broadcast. It's a podcast. It's a podcast, <laughs> but you just made it a broadcast. <laughs> All right. We are broadcasting. We're broadcasting our podcast. All over the world, we are broadcasting. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Okay. And uh, we just want to welcome you uh, to this uh, session that uh, we are going to be talking about the Jewish Fall Feasts, and specifically Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. Thank you for coming to this session of our broadcast, of our podcast. <laughs> this our, is fantastic. Our broad pod. <laughs> There you go. I think we've created a new category here. Oh, man. All right, so we're talking about Sukkot. What else are we going to do? Give us a little bit of a, a summary from, you know, 30,000 feet. Yeah, well, we're, we're going we to look down from 30,000 feet, and we're going to take a look at the Jewish road uh, and what that Jewish road looks like. Uh, there are... Two acts. It's like a two-act play that we're looking at. I've heard this before. You've heard this? Yeah. You want to hear it again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a choice. You're going to tell me again anyways, right? <laughs> it's a two-act play, and that two-act play is as if all of the Jewish people in the world bought tickets to this two-act play, and they went in and uh, saw the first act, loved the first act, at intermission, went out to the lobby, got a drink, and went home. They loved it so much in that first act that they never came back for the second one. They forgot to go to the second act. They just Must have left. been a strong drink. <laughs> well, and all of the Christians in the world bought tickets to the same two-act play. Huh. They got there late. They oh. didn't see the first act. And they went in, though, and saw the second act. And the two of them, the Jews and the Christians, crossed each other in the lobby and never saw each other again. And they never saw the other part. Never each, each side never saw the other act of the play. And so what we are here for is we want to connect the two groups and we want to bring the full story uh, out of both sides, Act 1 and Act 2, and bring them together so that Christians can have a sense of their Jewish roots and understand their Jewish roots. And in doing so, help the Jewish people to make sense out of Jesus. Now, here, here's the problem, and this is why if, if you are a Christian who goes to church uh, today of all days, this is why you need to pay attention, because you have a problem. Oh, Isn't wow. I'm going to tell them, you have a problem. <laughs> you have a problem. You know, it's always you a good way to... You think the Jews are the only ones with a problem, <laughs> but you have a problem. That's right. Go up to somebody you love and say, you have a problem. <laughs> And then they're going to have a problem. You're going to be the and problem. And you're going to have the problem. That's right. Everyone's going to have a problem. But here's the problem. You are going to church, and you're not getting the whole story. You are reading the Bible, and you are reading things, and you're not getting the whole story. It's like you're driving in a bus, and there are things off to the side of the road, whole stories that are taking place, and they're missing it. Yeah. And the thing is, you folks are familiar with the Act 1 part, the Old Testament and the New Testament, whereas the Jewish people don't really even look at the New Testament. Right. But we're, we're still, so like many Christians, they know about, you know, the Old Testament stories, right? We know about yeah. the kings of Israel. We know about David and Goliath and Noah and the ark and, and Daniel and the lion's den. Yeah. It's great. Great stories, wonderful narratives, but there's pieces that when it gets a little bit rough, when it gets a little bit boring and I get it, I understand those are the parts that my eyes glaze over at times too, but we just kind of move on and we move on because 
we don't have understanding. Right, and we need to look at these things, I think, through a Jewish lens. Yeah, and, and I think it helps, right? So we're going to take a passage that is familiar, that should be familiar to you, and we're going to point out, this is like one of those things I love. It shows up in the second act in that New Testament, and it, it's going. It's it's been there all along, but now when you when you have certain things pointed out, you're going to say, "I I missed it before, and it was right there in front of me the whole time." So today, uh, the Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles in the Hebrew, also called Sukkot. Sukkot. And uh, before I do that, can I just read something? Uh, yeah. This is a little. Uh, you know, it's the Feast of Booths, right? So. In, in the first act, we're remembering what took place uh, as the Israelites, they're coming through the wilderness and they're making booths. We, our people, they lived in booths in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah. Okay. No Hiltons, yeah. no Marriott's, yeah. right? Yeah. No exclusive clubs or anything like that. We, we dwelled in booths. And so what we do on this holiday is we actually recreate that. We remember that our people once lived in booths, right? And we do it. It's like a fort. We, we build them uh, in our backyard. You know, if you go to Williamsburg, New York, you see on the side of apartment buildings these little fire escapes, except they're not fire escapes. Uh, they are like little wrought iron balconies, and they're there strictly for the purpose of the Orthodox Jews building uh, sukkahs or booths in that. And if you live on the third floor... The person who has one on the fourth floor is not directly above you. It's off to the side uh, because you're supposed to be able to look straight up and see the sky. There you go. Just like the people did back in the wilderness Just days. Like. Right? So here it is, a little tribute. This is Sukkot Dr. Seuss style. Oh. Hey, you like okay. that? I like it. All right. I didn't write it, but it, it, unless it's good, I wrote it every word. <laughs> you can build it very small. You can build it very tall. You can build it very large. You can build it on a barge. You can build it on a ship or on a roof, but please don't slip. You can build it in an alley. You, you shouldn't build it in a valley, although originally they were. You can build it on a wagon. You can build it on a dragon. You can make the shach of wood. Would you? Could you? Yes, you should. Make the shach. I have to look that what up. What is that up? I don't know. It doesn't just, sound I, Hebrew and it doesn't sound Greek right, either. Well, maybe I just sneezed. You can make it from leaves of tree. You shouldn't bend it at the knee. Build your sukkah tall or short. No sukkah is built in the temple court. You can build it somewhat soon. You cannot build it in the month of June. Hey, you've read this before. If your sukkah is well made, you'll have the right amount of shade. You can build it very wide. You cannot build it on its side. Build it if your name is Jim, or Bob, or Sam, or even Tim. Build it if your name is Sue. Do you build it? Yes, you do. From the sukkah you can roam, but you should treat it as your home. You can invite some special guests. Don't stay in it if there are pests. You can sleep upon some rugs. Don't you build it when there are bugs. In the sukkah you should sit and eat and drink, but never... Oh. In... <laughs> Maybe should I? <laughs> if in the sukkah it should rain, to stay there would be such a pain. I've had that before. And if it should be very cold, stay there only if you're bold. So build a sukkah, one and all. Make it larger, make it small. Sukkah rules are short and snappy. Enjoy Sukkot, rejoice, be happy. Well, right. that was good, almost. Almost. <laughs> 
Should have read the whole thing beforehand, but that's all right. <laughs> Did Dr. Seuss write that? No, I don't oh, think so. No, Was Dr. Seuss Jewish? I don't think so. I, don't think, I think somebody so. else did that. All right. Hey, let's get into this. Um, so we've given you a little bit of a snapshot. Again, like we've said, all of the holidays, the the, the Jewish, the, the feasts uh, or the festivals are are laid out in Leviticus 23. And and what God is telling the people through Moses is says, I want you to set up these booths. Um, and, and this is going to be a time of remembering. But what I want to do is let, let's fast forward. Um, and I talk about this passage all the time. Um, John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Um, here, is, here is the scene. Um, the, the, the rumors, the, the message, the, the, the lore about Jesus is growing. And we also have the Pharisees, the, the Jews of the day are noticing, and it's, it's starting to become very heated. And... It says this in in John chapter 7, verse 1, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So he's staying away. But it says now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. Now, I'm guaranteeing you that people have read that before, and they just look at it and they say, Oh, well, the Feast of Booths, but we don't really know what that means. It says, So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you're doing, for no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Right? So Jesus is staying out of this area. Um, and and it says in, in verse 5, For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not, I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, Jesus remains in Galilee. All right? Nine verses in, we are mentioning this feast three times already. Now, Jesus stays back because there are people who are seeking, the Jews, it says, are seeking to kill him. And now we get into verse 10. After his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. And while some said he's a good man, others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. What's, what's going on here? What's the, the temperature of, of the people in Jerusalem? And now already um, we've mentioned this word feast referring to tabernacles five times. Yeah, well... Yeshua, Jesus, is there to fulfill a specific feast. And there is a lot of tension that is building in the course of his ministry. And he's getting a lot of opposition. Yeah. And so this is what he is facing. Uh, just as a footnote, every time uh, it is prolific through here uh, that it is the, the text is constantly talking about the Jews and referring to the Jews. Yeah. And the actual translation of that, it, it would seem that it's this broad thing of Jews, but it's actually the Judeans hmm. that he is referring well, what, to. What's the difference? Well, the Judeans are just uh, people from this one section of Israel as opposed to all Jews in general, which, you know, 
a lot of Jewish people who have looked at this at all uh, feel it's a little anti-Semitic. Right. You know, so to get the correct, you know, thing that we're looking at here, he's referring to Judeans, the, those who are in the southern section who are opposing him, which he got, I think, more opposition from down there than he did from the north. So in the beginning of this chapter, in verse 2, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So it's it's about to happen. And now everybody else, they go up to the feast. Jesus finally comes in, uh, but he comes in privately. And now in verse 14, it says, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Okay, this is, this is incendiary. This is provocative. And the Jews, therefore, marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he had never studied? Right? So, w- w- Was there like a, a school that Jesus missed somehow? Well, you know, growing up in the northern section, you know, in the Galilee, uh, they lived in, you know, Jewish communities up there. And uh, in the middle of the community would be the temple or the synagogue, uh, that is there, and there would be a school there. And the elementary levels of that school would be Beit Sefer, uh, you know, the house of the book. And they would be, all the kids would go there. It was like elementary school. And after Beit Sefer, you would graduate to the next level. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to go to college, you would be, become Beit Tal- Talmudim. You would find a rabbi to follow and become a disciple of that rabbi. Right. And... Jesus didn't go to that. In fact, rather than him uh, becoming uh, a, a disciple of another rabbi, he called various uh, people, Peter, John, James, and he said, you follow me. So he kind of bypasses the traditional schooling, and because of that, he shouldn't be as smart as he is. Yeah. But he's God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's, you know, probably approaching 30 years old now. and uh, He's past 30. He's, he's 30, and it's coming into his, uh, his ministry. You couldn't, you couldn't become a Pharisee until you were 30. Hmm. And so, um, you know, he hasn't gone to that particular school, that level of education. They say, how, how is it that he, he knows all of this? He's well, not he educated. Studied but, with the rabbis. Right. He's, he's not educated, but he sounds like he is. Yeah. And so he says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If any man is willing to do his will, he shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. Mm-hmm. So he goes there. He's at, now he's out in public. Everybody sees him. He's going on. And, and we have this, this scene that is, is playing out. And now... We have trouble. Um, and I'm going to fast forward here. And so, uh, again, the context is the Feast of Tabernacles. And I'm going to jump ahead to verse 32. And in verse 32, it says, The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. And then Jesus said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. 
his, his father, mm-hmm. you will seek me, you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we won't find him? I mean, we can find him anywhere, right? We are the FBI of the day. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I think it's interesting in chapter 14, he's, he says, you know where I'm going and the way you know. That's he right. says that to his disciples. That's right, yeah. But he doesn't say that to the others. No. And, and they, they say, they, they even, they're talking amongst themselves, does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Is he like, how far out is he going to go to stay away from us? And what does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come? He's, he's, he's throwing some circles around them, right? So beginning of the chapter, it was the day of the great feast. The Feast of Booths was upon them. And then somewhere around the middle of the feast, he shows up, and now he's teaching, and now we finally get to the final. This is the final, the seventh time that John brings up the word feast, and it's right here in, in verse 37, mm-hmm. and it says this. And again, I I hope this is an illuminating, and, and like you realize, I, I didn't really ever notice like this feast or the context of what, what's going on here. But it says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day. How many, how many days are in this feast, by the way? Yeah, seven days. This is seven days. Yeah. So this is on the last... Oh, so all, yeah. This is not taking place over a month. No. Um, this is seven days. It's a week. When he says on the last day, you know, that, that kind of suggests that uh, this particular occasion occurred on a different day than all the controversy. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So this is the last day. It's the great day. And Jesus stood up and he cried out. Pause. Now, before we read that, we have to have a little bit of background. What is happening in Jerusalem? So this is what? This is 1,400, 1,500 years after um, the, the wandering in the wilderness, right? We have booths and... That this this feast of tabernacles, this is a pilgrimage feast, which means what? The Jews from all over the world were required three times to be in Jerusalem, and this was one of them. You show uh, up here. This yeah. is one of those. You show Unleavened up to Jerusalem. Bread, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. There you go. So, yeah. is the city crowded? It is overflowing. It's a zoo. Even today, we actually just did a, a podcast with uh, GTI Rich Ferrer, and he's. He's been there. I, I never go on tours during the holy days because it's crowded, it's yeah. more expensive, it's it's a nightmare over there. But if you can get over there and enjoy the fun and festivities, mm-hmm. but even today, it's one of those feasts. Everybody comes there, and something is happening, and something happened 2,000 years ago, and there was a, a festival. There was, in addition to all of this, this was, the, this setting here, there was a water-drawing ceremony during the Feast of Tabernacles. Right, right. You're talking about the water that was taken from the Pool of Siloam in a great pitcher and then brought up to the temple up in Jerusalem. Right. So this is this is the last harvest. Um, and typically today what we do uh, in a congregation in synagogues, they take a lulav and an etrog. The, the, it, it's symbolic. Like, hey, we've brought in the final harvest, and it's a prayer for rain for this next season, that God would bring the rain uh, so that when we—I mean, really, after this, we go through the long winter, right? That God will—and we're going to plant the seeds and— prayerfully that, that God will bring about another harvest in the next season yeah, to come. This is the end of the year, really. Right. right. This is it. And so it says, 
that they would go up there, and we, we, get, we get these accounts from Josephus, a Jewish historian, there's a lot of other people that are talking about it, but the high priest would take, go down to the Pool of Siloam, it's about a mile away, uh, and he would draw water with a pitcher, and there would be a parade, and they would march up. In fact, this street, there, this path from the Pool of Siloam all the way back up to the temple, uh, this street was recently discovered in the last 15, 20 years. Yeah. And, and they, they take this path, and as they're going up, there's this parade, and there's dancing, and there's they're singing. trumpet blasts, and they're singing. And what are they singing? They're singing, you shall joyously draw water from the spring of salvation. Mm. They're, they're, they're singing this, and they're saying springs of salvation, and this is taking place on which day of the feast? The last day, the last day of the feast. And they would be singing the Hallel Psalms as they make their way up. Psalm 113 to 118. Okay, so these are songs of praise. These are songs of adoration towards God, right? Yeah, yeah. And this water is then offered uh, in sacrifice to God at the time of the morning sacrifice. And that symbolizes the blessing of uh, just adequate rainfall and crops and all of this stuff. Okay, that is the backdrop. And now let's go back. It says this in verse 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. Now remember the scene, sukkahs, booths all over the place. The water drawing ceremony is going and Jesus stands up in their midst. He cries out. He says, if anyone thirsts, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He he is using this particular event as an object lesson is what he's he's doing. And uh, he's making it very public here on the last day of the feast for people to accept him as the living water uh, that uh, they're talking about. It harkens back to Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. Isaiah 55, 1 says, Oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. That's right. And so he's making a reference back to that. uh, And his, his words, those, look at the three words that are in that verse, thirsts, and come and drink. Uh, those words summarize really the gospel invitation, don't they? Yeah. Um, it's a recognition of need that leads to the, the coming and approach and the provision that is given there. So you receive the water, what, you receive what's needed. The thirsty soul needs, uh, uh, has a need and a craving, and the Messiah says, come and drink. It's an invitation. Yeah, and so this, this is an invitation. And, and John adds on right after this. He says, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, but Jesus was not yet glorified. He's talking about this greater time to come, and he says, look, you guys are praying for a great harvest to come. You're praying for the rain. Come to me. 
I am the rain. I am the water of life. And all that you are looking for in this holiday, um, you're going to find in me. Yeah. And he's pointing to a time where he will come back again and God will dwell with his people, just like he wanted to in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. It's amazing. We could go on more. And there is, I mean, just a, a hint. There was not only a water drawing ceremony, but there was a, a illuminating the temple. They would climb up these huge poles. They would light these big vats of oil. And they said, you, you could see the light from all over Jerusalem. And just so happens that you go into John chapter 8, go into the next chapter. And what is it Jesus saying? I am the light of the world. Yeah. Right, and you see this. This, I, I wish we could take more time, but you, you walk through John six, you walk through John seven, John eight, and even into John nine, and you take it in in context of this feast in particular and what's going on. Um, it really changes the story. Um, what is the big picture? What are we? Why is this important? Given what we just talked about, why is it important that we? Uh, have an act one mindset looking as we read act two. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the main thing that we want to take away from this is the fact that God presented all of these things in act one, but we, we need to wed it together to their fulfillment in act two of this two act play. And so the, the purpose of it is for God to bring salvation. He brings it, he's going to bring it to Israel. All of these feasts pertain to Israel and their relationship to the God of Israel. But it also holds out the fact that he is offering this salvation to everyone who will come, everyone who thirsts and will come and will drink. So today we are called still to come after him, to, to drink from him the waters of life. And also in this that we look forward to a time where we will once again, uh, we will, uh, it, it does talk about uh, in Zechariah, it says the people, will, they will go up and they will, we will be celebrating Sukkot, this Feast of Tabernacles for eternity. Yeah, yeah, Zechariah 14, and it says, if anyone doesn't come up to celebrate this feast, they'll get no rain. And it talks about Egypt. They don't come up, they get no rain. And so this is an important thing. In the kingdom, there will be a celebration of God dwelling with us. That's good. I love it. This is my favorite okay. passage. Yeah. I love it. It's a great one. We should do the next podcast and just do this whole thing again. Do the whole thing again? Yeah, same one. Or they could just press rewind and they can just listen to it again, I guess. I like this. We should talk about these things more what we're doing okay good well hey thanks for listening and until next time happy shalom shalom yerushalayim oh look at that you're taking over the whole thing you got it and uh continue to check in with us jewishroad.com uh but celebrate and enjoy these high holy days and we will talk to you next time pray for the peace of jerusalem shalom shalom